It's time for the Picture House Podcast with your hosts, Sam and Simon. Please ensure that your mobile phone is switched off, refrain from smoking, and keep conversation to a minimum. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show! Thanks so much for talking to us today, Josh. Of course, thank you for having me. Uh, pleasure to have you on the podcast. Great to be talking about good time. I, I guess you guys have been taking this to quite a few festivals this year? I, you know, luckily, the beautiful part of, you know, uh, when A24 picked up the film, they wanted to originally release it in the, uh, like, first part of the year. Mm. And then we got into official competitions. So they're like, okay, now what do we do? So we talked about doing the summertime. But the beauty of, of releasing the film, basically world premiering the end of May, you come back early June, the movie comes out in August in America. You don't really have to do that, you know. So we haven't really traveled, um, oh, that's cool. you know, after because the movie's already come out. Mm. It kind of um, disqualified it from many festivals like New York Film Festival and Toronto and Telluride and uh, what have you. So we didn't really travel that much with it. I've only actually been weirdly. I went to Cannes and Fantasia. Oh wow! Oh, and Deauville. Nice. So that's it. And which is London. which is and then uh, London, sorry, uh, yeah. So it's been this is my first London film festival actually. So oh, cool. it was quite the honor. Nice, no, yeah. it's good. I think I quite like that. Um, sometimes you you know you have that film and it does the festival circuit and actually for a by the long time it comes time, out. Yeah, I know. It feels like a very long time. That's I think w- we were very excited. Benny in particular was very excited about the idea because with our previous films we really, you know, the the festival release is kind of a release in its own right and mm-hmm. we with daddy long legs we truly traveled all over the world with it and it was exhausting and actually it destroyed a relationship that i was in oh, wow. and yeah it was uh it was exhausting and i didn't i don't i don't even really like traveling that much mm. i like staying put yes yeah <laughs> well, i, think I right like though. moving fast and traveling within my own city but yeah i don't like i don't like flying but it's the it's just still the admin as well around it isn't it it's like you know two hours beforehand and then the thing uh, it yeah, takes, it the takes a hell of it's a long worst. time yeah. and you can't do anything in that time it's just waiting i try <laughs> i try to write screenplays and read but i you know I, uh, I do anything I like about flying is just being able to watch movies. Yeah. <laughs> but I can do that at home as well. Exactly. So, yeah. No, I, there's nothing <laughs> I like about flying. <laughs> um, actually, weirdly, I had this, like, I can be quite suicidal at times. So, like, when I do get on a plane, I, I enter this kind of weird, strange state where I just accept. I don't have a kid. My brother has a kid. I think if mm. I had a kid, I wouldn't think this way. But I just think, okay, I'm going down now. This is my moment. And I just kind of, like, when the plane takes off, I just kind of except I'm going to die. Mm. So I just <laughs> kind of wait for my death, and then I don't die. And So it's anticlimactic. It's Let's see, maybe tomorrow. It's, a, it's, it's, it's heavy stuff. <laughs> yes, the film sir. Final Destination <laughs> ruined it, flight flying for me, because like, that happens, and you're like, God, it's not even in the air yet. You know, like, it's like five seconds after it takes off. I think if I well, get after the five seconds, I'm good. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's usually like take off and landing. Yes. Yeah, I mean, that's the only time you're really aware you're on a plane. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, it's uh, that's, that's good. Well, let's try and not make you uh, travel too much. <laughs> yeah, I know, yeah. <laughs> when you're, uh, do you have time during the like the few festivals you've been to to see other movies? Have you seen a few films sort of traveling with good so time? So when I went to, when we used to go to film festivals, we used to make it a point, you know, uh, of uh, to see everything. Mm. And weirdly with good time we were so busy in Cannes that we weren't able to see much i saw maybe three films and uh you know and i i I wanted to see a lot more but i just didn't have the time to i was our schedules were so intense Mm. i had a day off where i watched some stuff but uh yeah it's unfortunate 
you need to find those sort of small victories. Yeah, I <laughs> know. Uh, what was the, the sort of turnaround time like with, with Good Time? How did this, how long did it take to get this film together? Uh, it's funny, when we sat down with Rob the first time, there was no script. Oh, so wow. uh, I sat down with him, I think in, uh, I think it was m May of 2015. No, mm. tw yes, May of 2015. And maybe it was even April, end of April. And then the first script we had done, first draft we had done by September. Wow. Uh, and then we shot the film in March of 2016. And then we did 26 days. And then we, we while we were shooting, we lost this huge location that was our original ending. And I thought it was a sign that wow. the ending wasn't right. So we decided to cut days off of our principal, mm. save the money, edit the film, and then decide what the ending was, and then shoot, we organized with Rob, and then shoot the ending about eight months later. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> what was six it like? months later, sorry, six months later. What was that like coming back to uh, sort of that shoot? Well, weirdly, we kind of peppered a couple of days throughout. Um, it was a very unorthodox schedule, mm. uh, and I was really, we edited non-stop you know we didn't take many days off maybe no days off mm. i was always working on the movie uh because there was two editors benny and ronnie so mm. when ronnie when i wasn't working with ronnie i was working with benny and, right. <laughs> and then um you know i just was main staying in the mindset because the film isn't really done until you don't really know what the movie is until you see it and we don't we fine cut we don't rough cut right. so we we're doing you know, my brother's a very good sound designer, so he's doing all the sound design as he's going through it. So when you change and edit, it's not like just slipping some things. It's like, oh, my God, we have 25 soundtracks <laughs> underneath it. So and then, yeah, so but it was um, it was a very uh, the whole process was like about a almost a two year, 20 month process from like, uh, you know, start to finish. It sounds like a pretty intense it uh, was process. Very, <laughs> it <laughs> was, and the soundtrack was like this thing. When Just when you think the movie's over, it's like, okay, now we're doing the soundtrack. And that was a three-month, everyday, very intense uh, wow. process with, with 106 Point Never. And it was uh, all-encompassing, working all the major holidays. Yeah. I was going to ask about it because the soundtrack's like so good in this film. I love it's, it. Yeah, thank so you. It really, really stuck with me afterwards. And you should get it. You should listen to it. I'd it's, love to. Yeah. yeah, I know A twenty four do cool things sometimes, like part well, of vinyls. Well, Warp is releasing it. Oh, so amazing. yeah, yeah. So Warp released it, uh, and it's on Spotify and mm. iTunes, and there's a vinyl. I think nice. in Japan they're releasing the raw, okay. because Dan One O Tricks Point Never remastered all the soundtracks for for album listening. Oh, perfect. So so there's songs he did like a suite and stuff like that. Because we were very much inspired by like Faltemeyer soundtracks, so mm -hmm. he he wanted to do like a Faltemeyer type thing where he took a bunch of pieces and made a suite. But in Japan, some of them, some of like the bank robbery soundtrack piece mm -hmm. was not in. Oh, really? It's not on the soundtrack, so it really bothered me. It's <laughs> like we're gonna release in Japan the raw. That's cool. Which is actually how it was mixed for the movie, which was very tricky actually because we wanted the music to sit with the audio of the film and not below it or above it. Mm. So we had to, it took a very long time, like probably four weeks of 
constant trial and error to figure out ways to mix the music and pull out the frequencies that the audio of the film occupied. So when you listen to the raw, it actually sounds strange sonically because you're hearing the music, but it's missing the frequencies that the soundtrack of the film are actually taking. So it's like Swiss cheese a little (laughs) bit, but on a sonic level. It's cool. It was a very difficult thing to do because we really, when you make this music that's so detail-oriented and then you put it in the film, normally what you do is you just kind of lower the music to mm-hmm. accommodate, com- accommodate the dialogue. But we didn't want to do that. We wanted the dialogue to be like almost like vocals in the track. Uh, that's cool. So it sits in perfect pockets of, of EQ'd. So it was difficult. So the Japanese, are they're going to release... In Warp, their Warp was going to release the raw, so you can hear exactly how it was mixed for the movie. Wow, like the, it's going to be weird. Be amazing, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I hope that gets its way over here at some point. I'm sure <laughs> on eBay, really cool. Yeah. <laughs> the because uh, the soundtrack, like, what what at what point in the process does you start thinking about the soundtrack? Very early on. I mean, we knew that the overture, the first 20 minutes, was going to be about 80 percent soundtrack maybe 85 percent uh scored so we knew that going in that there was going to be this kind of operatic introduction to the story and that was going to be accompanied by score and i think in the in the end i think the film is 50 percent scored which is a lot yeah way more than anything we've ever done before (laughs) um because we wanted the conceptually when i first met with dan he was the third person attached to the film it was buddy then rob then dan and Dan had read the script. He'd seen a lot of our uh, the images that inspired the script. He, we had a lot of sessions where we talked about movies, we talked about music, and conceptually we knew that we wanted the soundtrack to be like a fever inside the movie that just wanted to break free. Mm. And um, yeah, that was a you know that because it's a, another character in the film, it really uh, we had obviously you have to put as much attention, give much attention to that as you did to developing Rob's character. Mm. So it was the same thing in a weird way. And it was difficult because you had to find it. It wasn't, it's, you can't just sit down and start. It was like, I remember his manager was like, okay, I've blocked out seven days for the score. That's about (laughs) what most people do. And that is true. Most people book out maybe one to two weeks to do your score, Mm. the recording sessions. And then after the first nine days, uh, she hit me up and she was like, how's it going? I was like, great, we have about two minutes. <laughs> you know, we're about, we have a sculpt of the first three and a half minutes of music. And she's like, oh my God. And I was like, yeah, that's when I realized it was going to be a really long process uh, that we were working on until basically three weeks before can almost, four wow. weeks before can, yeah. That's, uh, is that nerve-wracking, that kind of, uh, <laughs> when you have a big deadline like Well, that? no, the thing is, is that we knew that they were all, that when I say three weeks, we're, we're talking about slight tweaks. Yeah. Um, like, I remember the very, because we had to add, in the very beginning, we had to add these cards contractually to say right. the company's involved, and that extended the head, and we were like, okay, well, what are we going to do about it musically? Because we have this music that starts... And we were worked on a couple of things with Dan, and and uh, I actually really like it. It's like a nice, weird little intro to the movie. I do sometimes when there are like lots of companies involved, and they just have the silence, and it's just endless silence. I know. That's, well, luckily yeah. in America, that's <laughs> it's interesting. Like I just saw Call Me, Call Me by Your Name, which I like very much, mm. and but it's a European production, so it has this very American intro with these beautiful title. But there's in the very beginning, there's like. 12 13 different country companies yes. and association co-productions and it's very uh it's very european that's in america you know it's like there's it's like you're seeing the risk up front you're like mm. whoa this is one company took on all this risk <laughs> and uh i always dig that because i think that that's a 
I, I never really understood state-sponsored art so much. And mm. um, I think, I mean, Call Me By Your Name is not at all state-sponsored art. But it's, uh, you know, I think often it breeds like a little bit of middle ground. Mm. Not, you know, sometimes, not often. It sometimes does that. Uh, and then it also often breeds incredible, you know, uh, works of art that are completely untied to finances, which is where true independence kind of comes from. But a uh, yes, but I with our movie, it's literally two companies. It's mm. <laughs> it's Raya Raya Films uh, and their film fund, Hercules Film Fund, and then Alara Pictures, our company. Oh, perfect. So <laughs> yeah, so it's just like, but they we had to put these two cards contractually, mm. even though we have the two logos yes, ahead. So yeah. it's like, what? Are we, it felt a little ridiculous. It's that sort of every, and every film has it, isn't it? You know, they have to have the thing, and then you have it right again, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, on screen as text, <laughs> and then the film can start. Yeah, it's weird. It's like uh, the text becomes like an actor in a weird way. Absolutely. And if you go to festivals, like you know, if you're at like Cannes or London for two weeks, there's a lot of the same companies involved. Maybe maybe not with Good Time, but with a lot of the sort of European films. Yeah. And you're like, oh, it's these guys again. Yeah. <laughs> I think see what they're the, doing. Um, <laughs> I think that the our co- the company that that produced our film, they, the only other movie that they had done at the time was was this Tom Cruise movie American Made oh, cool. which yeah, is yeah. out right now and it was strange to be like they made American Made in good time it was like a strange kind of uh, relationship that's a neat double bill <laughs> I love Tom Cruise I haven't seen the film yet but I love Tom Cruise it's, uh, it's a lot of fun actually I, I quite like it I bet it. <laughs> yeah I bet uh, I wanted to ask you about the, the poster that you had in Cannes mm-hmm. uh, it was like that cool illustration where, the, where, uh, the Sprite bottle yeah A24 did it you know oh, A24 they you know, they ended up. We they sh- they did this airbrush portrait of Connie and Nick. Nick, and uh, I really loved that one. And then they did this one of him coming out of the Sprite bottle, which I really loved. And it was kind of a little bit of an homage to After Hours. Mm. Uh, not that I asked them to, but they just <laughs> kind of came up with it, and it was very cool. Uh, I think that like I think it was largely met with indifference, but in like people they tested it with, okay. people didn't really know is this a comedy, is this not? So they ended up going with something a little bit more um, kind of genre-y, the running shot for them for the wide release. But I still loved the Sprite Bottle one. I think that's fair enough, and it's good to have that maybe for a special edition. Yeah, and then they the did the other one of the something. portrait of the two of Nick and Connie, which was my favorite one. Because it's just like, what is this? Movie? It's a strange family portrait. Because that's what it is. It's a strange family portrait. Absolutely, and I yeah. think you know, you, I mean, the film is all about that family link. Yeah, of course. Know, I mean, it's a, it's it's uh, the movie's like, <laughs> someone said it's like Dog Day Afternoon meets Rain Man, and I think that that's a really <laughs> great apt you know way of putting the film with an awesome it's actually so, and then someone re- an awesome <laughs> sound someone also recently said collateral which was really cool not collateral uh, which is the michael mann uh, tom cruise no, no, it's collateral yeah, yeah. yeah i love that movie it's, it's a really night good. film you know it would make a good double bill with this actually yeah you really feel that again the city and the music are both characters in it for sure it, yeah and, it, and it's about a buddy situation well people who are forced <laughs> to be with one yeah. another yeah. <laughs> um that's cool well thanks so much for talking to us thanks and, for having uh, me yeah i love seeing the yeah. film and can't wait to see it again actually thank, thank you, you very on much a big screen <laughs> cool, <laughs> yes thank you. thank you you have been listening to the picture house podcast a picture house's production brought to you by picture house cinemas we would like to thank everyone who works at picture house cinemas and everyone who has ever attended a screening of a film at a picture house cinema thanks for listening and see you next week